What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. We talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Connor Gleason, who's on the founding team of Sakra. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on and, and chatting with me about Sakra. For people that haven't heard of what you're working on, what is it? What is Sakra? Yeah, so we are a, a very early stage startup building to solve problems around transparency in secondary markets. And basically what we're building is a platform for research. So when companies like Front or WeWork or Beacon, some of the companies that we've engaged research on um, might have secondary sales or transactions, we wanna be able to create these types of research reports for the buy side to be able to participate and make informed decisions and to bring some transparency into these markets. So it's a software play. Uh, We're building a platform and also an API to integrate with the existing liquidity landscape. So I think that um, in in the Valley uh, and in just in tech Twitter, secondary is is like a pretty known concept or maybe not. I, I don't know. But I think for most people, they may not even know what secondaries are when you, know, when you say secondary. So I think to start, can you kind of outline what is a secondary um, and w- what is its place kind of in the ecosystem of, of, of equity? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Um, and, you know, for those that are just hearing about it, secondary markets have kind of been in progress for about 10 years. You could look back to some of the early pre-IPO Facebook trading that went on. Um, And what a secondary sale is, is before a company goes public or gets acquired, there are oftentimes opportunities for people that own the shares to be able to get liquidity or to sell their stock. And traditionally what that's looked like has been either a tender offer or a share buyback where the company is allowing for this sort of marketplace to get created for their stock on their own cap table. And then there's also another world of sort of secondary brokerages where there's one-off transactions. So say you own a bunch of, um, you know, call it like WeWork stock, right? And you wanna sell that before an IPO and they just announced, you know, this SPAC listing. Well there is a way for owners of the stock to sell their stock to other people. Now it could be an investor, it could be, you know, a friend or family member. um, But there's a bunch of sort of structural issues as to why you can or can't sell that stock. Um, But yeah, secondaries would just relate to any sort of private stock that's trading quote unquote, 
before a company actually goes public. And um, appreciate you sharing that. And then, so for what you're doing is when a company, let's say I have a company and it's, it's late stage, but private. Um, and I, I decide that I want to, to offer a secondary or do a tender offering or something, something along those lines, you would then learn about my company and uh, to help people, potential buyers kind of uh, evaluate, you know, if they want to buy up the secondaries. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And right now, you know, we put together proprietary research. So we'll put together financial models that allow us to create a bear case, a bull case, and a base case for the company's valuation um, and give a, a bit of an outlook in terms of, you know, sort of top down trends and then bottom up analysis. Um, for those companies and what that is right now, it's, it's in the form of, you know, long form research content, but what we see that morphing into and how we use this as a bit of a, a feedback iteration loop to build the, the, the product is to be create a structured data product around this, something like a Bloomberg meets a pitch book meets a Morningstar, but for private companies. That's super exciting. I that that definitely needs to exist. I I I've thought a lot. I think a lot about the private markets um, on on many different areas, and that that's something that should exist for sure. Um. So so tell me a little bit about the the the, the origin of story here. How did Soccer kind of get 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 founded? You know, the the early days. Why does this exist? Yeah, it's a cool one. Um. So Walter Chen's our CEO, and Jan Eric Asplund. Um. The two of them had worked together at a company called Animals, which really well known in the, in the VC and growth stage company space as a, a fantastic content marketing shop. So they've spent a lot of time in this space developing content. Prior to that, Walter had a successful exit at a company called I've Done This, which he started. Um, so the two of them came together with this thesis that there would be more transactions in private markets for a variety of reasons, right? The time to liquidity, time to exit for most companies is somewhere in the seven to 10 year range. You're looking at a marketplace that's changing in terms of liquidity options. So there's the forages, the equity zens, the brokerages of the world, the Zambados, but also Carta X has a new offering uh, allowing companies to create liquidity on their own cap tables. Shareworks has an offering so does NASDAQ private market. And when you look at this space, there's a huge asymmetry of information between regular people like you and I, the, the sell side and institutional buy side. And there's no real rigorous uh, investment research platform that exists for this market. So really it was an opportunity. Um, I think back in July actually started the company. And then I joined, um, shortly after my colleague Nan, by way of an acquisition of our uh, newsletter that I started with a, another uh, co-founder, Seamus Noonan, who's now an advisor for Sakra. And we use the newsletter uh, as a way to deliver sort of a distribution channel. We also have a, a recurring, you know, every Friday um, exclusive interview where we'll sit down with, uh, you know, an investor, an operator, someone in our space and um, get some detailed uh, deep dive interviews with them. Um, and, and all of us are aligned on this mission of wanting to bring transparency into private markets to help facilitate and monitor liquidity and, and to unlock some of the sell side, which we look at this market as being explicitly sell side constrained, right? There's an infinite supply of capital and buyers that are lined up that would 
love to buy, you know, pre-IPO or growth stage stock. The reality is, is that um, the stock is scarce and sometimes intentionally. And folks who maybe worked at a company and, and got, you know, stock options and then subsequently exercise those options are now what we look to, to, to unlock as this sort of locked up supply uh, by bringing transparency and, and liquidity opportunities to those folks. I'm curious from your perspective in the market, is there going to be a chance for normal people, like you said, like, like you and I, like average people to get into some of these companies or is this mainly reserved for like banks and in large institutions? I guess like companies don't really have an incentive to let like an average person buy a secondary. Um, yeah. I don't know. What, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's some secular trends that are worth noting that are going to make it easier for uh, quote unquote retail investors to get access to startups in general. Um, starting with, I'd actually look at folks like WeFunder, Republic, um, Start Engine as a way to get access to companies without actually being an accredited investor. And then if you look at sort of the changes from a legal and regulatory perspective around who is an accredited investor. Well, before that, you had to either satisfy a liquidity requirement, um, having a million dollars in liquid net worth, um, or be a high income earner and able to prove it for the last two years. I think it's something like 200K or 300K if you're married. Um, and so that's sort of a limiting universe of people who could become accredited investors. In fact, oftentimes some of the regulators that were writing the rules weren't themselves accredited. Um, so now there's actually been a change in the SEC recently around who is an accredited investor. And they've loosened the definitions to the point where if you have your series seven or a 65, and the 65 is something that you can self-register, or if you work at a firm, a uh, financial services firm, you are now an accredited investor. So look at, you know, I joke that half of Midtown Manhattan overnight became accredited investors because you have all these folks that have those FINRA licenses and SEC licenses. Um, but if you look at secondary specifically, equities and forge have been uh, the path for most folks to, to get into these types of transactions as a retail investor, quote unquote. I think if you look at the buy side of Carta X, the buy side of ShareWorks, the buy side of NASDAQ private market, that's going to, for a while, continue to be probably reserved for the institutions, the banks, pensions, endowments, hedge funds, things like that. Um, but given sort of this overall change in these secular, you know, trend changes, I would see a future in the next five years, maybe, where retail investors could get access. It may not be direct like cap table access, but I could see the use of SPVs, um, different types of vehicles that would allow for that exposure to happen. Uh, but maybe not with, you know, rights and preferences and you know, pro rata rights and things that, you know, institutional investors would enjoy. You know, all I really need is a chance to buy some Stripe secondary right now. And it's, and then <laughs> I'm a happy guy. You know, I can have them on the podcast. It's, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I think but, you and about everybody else uh, out there would love a, a, yeah. a slug of Stripe. I love, uh, I, I do the startup ecosystem is just, I just love it. It's just great. All right. Well, to, so a couple, couple more questions for you and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Um, uh, 
if you were to look out um, into the future for, for, for this company, what would you say the big vision is here? What direction are you rowing in? And what, what do you see it looking like in 10 years, 20 years? That's a good question. I think we're looking at, uh, you know, 10 weeks or 20 weeks at a time. And we have a really tight, like I said, iteration uh, feedback loop. We look at things on a weekly cadence versus a monthly or quarterly. I'd love for us to be the central source of truth for research, right? When you, when you look at uh, what Bloomberg has become for public markets, um, they've done such a good job of really piping all the data correctly. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity for us to capture the trend towards social, right? Like we've got a really robust community of investors and um, people that are sort of members of our group. I think about 150 or so folks. And there is a social aspect to this too. You think about like Bloomberg chat, I could see us, you know, having like the soccer chat is how you talk about um, private transactions. Um, but I, I hope that it's a very successful business and um, something that's around for a long time. And then in order to, to make that happen, you're getting some help, right? It takes a village to make a startup work. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you hiring, raising money, looking for readers or customers, you know, researchers? How, how, can, how can we assist? I would love to talk to other founders, uh, series A, B, C, D, and beyond who have contemplated liquidity programs, um, who have thought about making it easier for their employees to be able to sell their stock uh, and who have maybe, you know, in the past sort of avoided that for various different reasons. Um, and also companies that are proactively interested in having their company be covered by Sakra. Uh, we have a very deep pipeline and sometimes it's, you know, too hard to choose which company to cover next with, you know, being resource constrained at, at the stage that we are, but folks that really want that, whether it's to help them raise another round or to do recruiting, there's a whole bunch of benefits to having Sakura talking about your company. So um, that would be my ask would just, if you see me connect with me, shoot me a note on, on Twitter, know, talk to Connor or on LinkedIn. And then um, just to, to reiterate the last point that you mentioned, if someone wanted to learn more about, about Sakura, how can they how can they find you online? What's the website, yep. social, email? How can people get in touch? Uh, Sakura.com is our main website. We also have the Cap Table newsletter, uh, which is the Friday newsletter. And I am on Twitter at Talk2Connor is the handle. And I'm very responsive on Twitter. <laughs> Gotta love Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Matt.